and uh, and as as pastors, as teachers, uh, I think we need to be making sure that we we disciple, we teach, we preach on what it means to be a human being, um, and especially what it means to be made in the image of God, uh, who is Christ. Uh, the question, by the way, was asked uh, of me here a couple days ago: uh, Does this particular piece of legislation threaten? Uh, the tax-exempt status of churches? And uh, the answer, as I understand it right now, is no. Not not this piece of legislation, uh, but inevitably, uh, that's something that will be raised down the road as well. You're listening to the Holy Joys Podcast, co-hosted by Jonathan Arnold and Dr. David Fry. Visit us at holyjoys.org and stay tuned for weekly discussions of theology and ministry practice, all for a holy, happy church. We had uh, discussed the Equality Act, um, major piece of legislation, and thought we might spend a few minutes here at the beginning, this opening segment, um, discussing that before we get into our main discussion uh, on the cross. So why don't you just go ahead and and, uh, explain a little bit why this is so uh, important and something that we wanted to spend a little bit of time on here. Right. Right. Yeah. So the Equality Act, I believe, is a very serious piece of legislation that is now awaiting a hearing and discussion in the Senate. And um, I think, you know, many you know, Christians are rightfully um, nervous, prayerful, uh, concerned about it. Uh, as a, a teacher of uh, the Constitution, I, I have taught high school students uh, U.S. Constitution in the past, and I'm always very interested in these major pieces of legislation, uh, as well as the uh, w- when a piece of legislation such as this uh, arises, and especially when they pass and then make their way to the Supreme Court. Now that that process is always very very interesting to me, uh, but this is more than just interest. This is uh, something that really gets to the heart of of the social life of believers in in America. In fact, I I really don't think it is far-fetched to say that this piece of legislation if it were passed in the form in which the the Senate has received it uh would have the greatest impact on the social life of Christians than probably any other single act since the Bill of Rights in 1791. Uh, and, and I say that recognizing that the Civil Rights Act of 1964 was major. I mean, it was probably, it probably right now is the most significant piece of legislation uh, since the Bill of Rights uh, to impact uh, religious um, practice. Uh, but this one has the the uh, potential to have that big and comprehensive of an impact. And I have I have uh, heard several people uh, commentators say, you know, it's not really a matter of if this passes, but it's really a matter of when and what all makes it through uh, to the end. Uh, it will be changed. There will be some adjustments to it. Uh, but what is it ultimately that uh, gets passed, and you know what's the impact of that? So I know there are a lot of discussions going on 
about this in a lot of, especially Christian schools, Christian ministries, um, nonprofit ministries, um, anyone especially who receives uh, any sort of uh, federal government funds, such as Pell Grant, the potential of being deeply impacted by this is is very, very real. Yeah. Why don't we just um, rewind for somebody who maybe uh, isn't familiar with this at all? I certainly have not spent as much time, um, you know, reading and thinking about it as you have. What What if we just uh, quickly explain uh, in summary form the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and then how, um, you know, this uh, Equality Act would seek to really redefine that. As I understand it, that's that's yeah. kind of the fundamental change. Right, right. right. So the Civil Acts, uh, uh, the Civil Rights Act of '64, uh, was the major piece of legislation at, at a federal level that uh, protects classes. So uh, religion, uh, race. Uh, sex. Uh, these are protected classes of people. And there are several titles that go with that. The two that are, are most impacted now, potentially with the Equality Act, are Titles uh, Seven and Title, uh, title Seven and Title Nine. Uh, so all the different titles within the acts uh, refer to different segments of society. So Title uh, Seven has to do with employers, uh, public employers. Uh, title nine has to do with uh, education. So, and, and other titles have to do with other segments of of uh, social and economic life. Um, and and the Civil Rights Act is has been a wonderful uh, thing for us. I regularly write letters. I did last week again. I do several times a year. Write letters to employers for uh, members of our church. Uh, where the employer is putting pressure on them to work on a Sunday. Well, that's a violation of the Civil Rights Act if it's a religious conviction. Uh, Not only does the federal government have that legislation, but uh, every state also has a civil rights uh, legislation that protects that. So on several levels, people are, are protected. It's been a very good thing. And by the way, to date, uh, I've never had an employer uh, either fire or not hire uh, or uh, continue to give a difficult uh, time to any of our members. Um, and, and I'm very, very thankful uh, to God for that. Uh, I think that battle is going to get more difficult, mm-hmm. but as Christians, mm-hmm. uh, I want to say, and actually I want to say to pastors as well, if you have people in your congregation who are being pressured right now to, to work on, uh, on Sunday, and you have a clear statement in your church manual uh, on that. Uh, you should be ready to come to uh, go to bat for your for your members uh, mm-hmm. because they may need that. They may not be aware of that. In fact, a lot of employers are not even aware of the the civil rights that we have, mm-hmm. uh, the, the religious rights there. But the Equality Act, what it does is it really. Uh, uh, redefines or stretches, I should say, the definition of of sex. To uh, so it goes back to the Civil Rights Act and it it legislates actually a decision that was made. I think it was last year, it may have been twenty nineteen. Uh, no, I think it was last year. A decision in the court in the Supreme Court uh, that uh, where they interpreted. 
the uh, sex as a protected class to include sexual orientation and gender identity. Mm-hmm. So this is a, uh, now this was before the last uh, Trump appointment to the, the Supreme Court. Uh, so Ruth Bader Ginsburg was still there. Uh, but this was largely a you know conservative majority Supreme Court that decided that really uh, <laughs> one of the dissents was the Supreme Court has legislated uh, by interpreting uh, sex to include sexual orientation and gender identity. Well, this piece of legislation just uh, codifies that. Mm-hmm. And says that now sexual orientation and gender identity are protected classes so that a, an employer cannot discriminate on those bases, even including religious employers. A school or any nonprofit organization that receives federal dollars cannot discriminate on those bases. So it's the same thing as race. It's the same thing as male-female. Same thing as religion. Here's the catch. So in the 90s, under Bill Clinton, he passed the a, a federal RIFRA law, which is religious freedom uh, law, that, that placed uh, several criteria. I don't have all of this memorized in my head, so I'm, I'm just going off my, my recall here, uh, some of the specifics I may not uh, recall. But uh, there, there are a couple of criteria in that RIFRA law uh, from the 90s that that really raise, raises the bar on the court system for proving a, uh, a case is, is burdensome on one's religion. In other words, it, it protects, puts extra protection on religious freedom. All right, so that's what RIFRA laws have done. State laws, or states have passed RIFRA laws. Uh, again, under Bill Clinton, the federal government passed a RIFRA law. And they were passed because of a recognition that religious uh, freedom was being threatened in several cases. What the Quality Act does is it circumvents RIFRA so that uh, on the basis of a religious, sincerely held religious belief, uh, that would not be considered in a suit against, say, a Bible college or a nonprofit like we run here, say, our, our recovery home that we run, uh, that would not be considered. Our articles of faith would not be considered in that case. Uh, so it's a, it's a real threat. I, I don't think it's going to pass. But if it does, people say, well, it's a good thing we, there, you know, there's, uh, you know, we have conservative control of the Supreme Court. Uh, well, uh, history hasn't proven that that necessarily will be a good solution no. because a couple of things would happen from that. Uh, the first thing that would happen is that a court case, it's going to take some time for them to receive a court case. And in the meantime, a lot of damage could be done. So that's number one. Number two is that, a court, the Supreme Court rarely overturns the entirety of legislation. And so there is very likely if it passes, a large part of the bill would still be in effect. We just don't know exactly what. Mm-hmm. So 
lot of practical consequences for churches, Christian nonprofits. Um, but I think, you know, thinking about this more broadly, more you know, stepping back from it and thinking about what this indicates just about uh, our society at large, um, we've talked a, a little bit in, in the past about how sex, as it's been traditionally understood, historically understood, and certainly as Christians, the way that we understand male-female, you know, is really um, just just being completely redefined. And I think it reflects just a, a great void in our culture about not merely what it what it means to be a male or female, but what it means to be human. Um, and uh, and as, as pastors, as teachers, I think we need to be making sure that we, we disciple, we teach, we preach on what it means to be a human being, mm-hmm. um, and especially what it means to be made in the image of God, uh, who is Christ. So we, we have this, this lack of understanding about uh, who we are, why we're here, and so we don't have this shared understanding anymore in our society um, of these really basic fundamental truths. So it really leaves open uh, a vacuum to be filled by all kinds of secular ideologies and understandings of what it means to be male, female. And uh, I know that that um, when I think even of um, uh, of our teaching so often on anthropology. Uh, and what it, what it means to be made in the image of God. We might emphasize, you know, man's relational or man is is a social creature or, or we, like God, can, you know, can be made righteous or holy. Um, but understanding what it means to be human in light of this man, Jesus Christ, you know, the true Adam, the, the true man, and how being in him, there is no male or female. Not that that erases, um, you know, these biological differences, but that it really helps to ground our uh, our identity as men and men and women in in something deeper, our shared humanity in Christ, and uh, I think these are times which just um, these times that these bring great alarm and great shock are just reminders of just the, the immense void in our culture, uh, understanding what it really even means to be a human person. Um, more more broadly, we no longer share share that. Yes, and I, I think it would be good for us to remember as Christians that while we express great concern and we vocalize opposition to something like the Equality Act, that we have to make sure that we go the extra mile also in expressing love and care for every human being as well. Because many times, you know, conservatives have gotten the uh, really the reputation of of being someone uh, a group of people who are adamant and uh, even a little bit harsh in our advocacy for legislation or Supreme Court action uh, but have forgotten the person mm-hmm. uh, and and we we need to recognize that all of this comes out of an experience of of real people in our culture who uh, who many of them living in sin uh, but they they are coming to this with particular experience uh, some of which is negative because of their experience with Christians mm-hmm. and so we need to make sure that that experience uh, th- those interactions the way we relate uh, with those who are uh, homosexual or a transgender or uh, or anything else, some alternative identity, 
that they know that we love them mm-hmm. and uh, we do not have to compromise our stance on what being fully human is. Right, right. Uh, but neither do we have to compromise our love and recognition of them as still being creatures for whom Christ died. Yeah. Let, let me see if I can articulate this a little bit better. So I think one of the things that I'm, I've been wrestling with is how the culture knows what we're against, um, but they don't always know what we're for. And I, I just think we mm-hmm. as pastors and teachers need to do a better of better job of casting a positive vision of humanity and of, of our, of our shared humanity in Christ, the new Adam, and that vision of what it means to be, first of all, man, and then male, female, um, uh, I think will speak to the void in our culture. And if we don't supply people with that sense of identity, um, then, then inevitably there will be secular ideologies that come in and and fill that that void. And I don't feel like I always have, um, I don't feel like I always have given enough attention to that. It would be an area of teaching and and preaching. And I, I, so many of the lessons that I have heard, you know, on what does it mean to be man? Um, you know, we think God, man, sin, Christ, salvation, you know, we go through these areas of of systematic theology and so many of the lessons that I've heard or the the teaching, the preaching that I've heard on man, you know, will go something like, you know, God created us in the beginning. He created us male and female. There's two genders. He created us, you know, in the image of God. And that means, you know, we're like God in certain ways, but not in reference to Christ. You know, Christ is the image of God. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think if we try to start with Genesis 1 to 3 as our reference point for understanding humanity, apart from the fullest revelation of what it means to be human in Christ— um, we're really gonna. We're, we're really not gonna have a, a truly Christian, a truly Christian um, anthropology. And we talk about Jude, a Judeo-Christian understanding of man, but I think often we we weigh actually in some ways more heavily on the Judeo portion of that, the areas that we would share, but not really what the revelation of Jesus Christ, the true Adam, tells us about what it means to be male and female. So the Equality Act theologically clearly has a lot to do with our doctrine of humanity. Uh, This week of recording, this is Holy Week. There's a lot to be said about the doctrine of humanity. For Christians, I think it is paramount that we accept other human beings as human beings, creatures in the image of God, That does not mean that we have to approve behavior, uh, the way a person uh, is trying to live out their humanness or even how they define their own humanity. Uh, Does not mean that at all. But Christians ought to be known for our willingness to, uh, well, for our eagerness to love our neighbor as ourself, not just our brothers and sisters in Christ, but all of our neighbors, and also for showing forth what what real humanity is uh, by by living a Christ life. So this this piece of legislation is is very concerning. Uh, we we need to be in in prayer as as uh, religious organizations 
uh, we be planning uh, financially and otherwise. Uh, the question, by the way, was asked uh, of me here a couple of days ago, uh, does this particular piece of legislation threaten uh, the tax-exempt status of churches? And uh, the answer, as I understand it right now, is no. Not, not this piece of legislation, uh, but inevitably uh, that's something that will be raised down the road as well. Uh, this this has everything to do with organizations that receive any sort of uh, government assistance, which many do. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, schools and other nonprofits, uh, many ministries, uh, homeless ministries, and benevolence ministries, uh, adoption agencies. I mean, it's just it's very pervasive. It's very comprehensive. Now, all of those, and not just Christian, uh, we're talking about religious across the board, uh, not just evangelical Christians, uh, are, are potentially affected by this. And and so we would see in very short time a major, uh, major impact on the social life. Uh, so, much, so much so that uh, in our area here, uh, we our county does not have, for instance, a homeless shelter. Uh, we are making preparations for that to happen, but it's going to be faith-based. If something like this happens and it's faith-based, and you know the board that would control that stands their ground and doesn't compromise their their religious uh, beliefs, uh, that would close up. That that would because uh, that would be dependent upon uh, some some government dollars, uh, and. So there are going to be people out in the street, literally out in the streets, if if this happens. Um, so again, I don't think it's going to pass. I don't think it will happen. But you know, the, the Senate is fifty fifty. Um, I, I don't think. I think there are, but but it's a razor thin margin. I think there's a Democrat or two that uh, would not support it because they are in uh, more conservative uh, areas. Uh, but again, I don't think the question is is if, but when uh, on these these sort of uh, sweeping uh, legislative acts. Thank you for listening to the Holy Joys podcast. Email your questions to podcast at holyjoys.org and they may be featured on a future episode. Our labors for a holy, happy church are supported by generous listeners like you. Please pray about partnering with us at holyjoys.org forward slash donate.